Good evening. It's a pleasure to be worshiping together with you all tonight. If you would, please open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we'll be looking at verses 12 to 19. We'll be considering, if there is no resurrection, what's the problem? If there is no resurrection, what is the problem? Follow along with me as I read, starting in verse 12. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you in awe and wonder at who you are as our holy, holy, holy creator God. Who not only created us, but continues to sustain and uphold us by the word of your power. And that by your grace you have saved, you have redeemed, you have reconciled us sinners to yourself in your son, Jesus Christ. God, I pray that the exaltation of Christ, who he is and what it is that he accomplished, would be on our minds and on our hearts this evening. God, that it would fuel our praise that it would fuel our lives as we live for the glory of your name day by day and all that we say and all that we do and in all that we think god we thank you we love you and it's in christ's name and for his sake amen well i'm going to say something that's going to sound a little bit strange to us in this room christianity is weird Christianity, when you really think about it, and when you think about the things that we profess to believe, is kind of insane, is odd, is weird. And what I mean by that is, it is supernatural. And to the natural man who does not accept the things of God, Christianity is insane. Think about it, we believe in one God who exists eternally in three distinct persons. We believe in a God who sent his one and only son to take on flesh through the birth of a virgin. That is supernatural. And that our incarnate son is none only than the second person of the Trinity. 
Jesus is one person with two distinct natures. This is supernatural. This is to the natural man strange, odd, and insane. And people deal with this insanity or this strangeness with these supernatural elements of the faith in a number of different ways. Some water it down. Some muddle it. Some distort it or disregard it altogether. And this happens, by no surprise, from unbelieving critics of Christianity, but even from some professing believers. But the big question for tonight, if there is no resurrection from the dead, what is at stake? If there is no resurrection from the dead, what is lost for the Christian faith? I've got three implications. Three implications. Firstly, if there is no resurrection from the dead, there is a serious problem for Christ's ministry. And we'll unpack that. Secondly, if there is no resurrection from the dead, there is a problem for Christian preaching. We'll unpack that as well. And lastly, if there is no resurrection, there is a problem for the Christian life. So we'll address all of these as we walk through verses 12 through 19. So looking at verses 12 and 13 specifically, let's consider the problem for Christ's ministry if there is no resurrection from the dead. The apostle says, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even... Christ has been raised. If there's no resurrection, what's the problem for Christ's ministry? Well, the first thing is that Jesus was a liar. If there is no resurrection from the dead, Jesus was a liar. Jesus said on multiple occasions throughout his life, throughout his ministry, multiple occasions that he would die and that he would raise from the dead. Just three examples from Mark's gospel narrative, starting in chapter 8 and verse 31, Jesus began, right after the disciples professed that Jesus is the Christ and the Son of God, Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer and die, and three days later rise again. And then again in chapter 9, verses 30 to 31, he tells them again that the Son of Man must suffer, that he must be betrayed by the Pharisees. And that he must be handed over. And that he must die. And then again, in Mark 10, 33-34, same thing, a third time he tells them, as he draws closer and closer to the cross, the Son of Man must suffer, be betrayed, and die, and that he would rise again. In John's Gospel, in in chapter 2, he says, destroyed this temple and three days later I will rebuild it and of course he was speaking about his own body Jesus on a number of occasions explicitly declared that he would die and that he would raise from the dead and if there is no resurrection from the dead if the dead are not raised then Jesus himself was not raised and he is a liar that's the first implication for Jesus's ministry specifically Another implication for Jesus' ministry explicitly 
is that if he's not raised from the dead, then his death achieved nothing of true value. Hear that. His death achieved nothing of true value. It accomplished, ultimately, nothing. He came and lived a perfect life, fully obedient to the law, and he died on the cross. But if there is no resurrection, that accomplishes absolutely nothing. We're told that Jesus died for our sins, for our transgressions, and he was raised for our justification. If there is no resurrection, there is no justification. Jesus' death accomplishes nothing. Isaiah 53, commenting on the work of the suffering servant, says this, that it was the will of the Lord to crush him. This is verse 10. And he has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. But if Jesus is not raised from the dead, there is no prospering in Jesus' life and work and ultimately his sacrifice. So Jesus, in his ministry specifically, if there's no resurrection from the dead, he's not raised and he's a liar. And his work accomplished nothing. Accomplished nothing. That's exactly what Paul tells us. And he goes on in verse 14 and 15 to talk about the implications for Christian preaching. If there is no resurrection from the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And your preaching is in vain. Your preaching is in vain. In verse 15, we are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God. That he raised Christ, whom he didn't raise if there is no resurrection. So what are some of the implications for Christian preaching if Christ is not raised? Well, firstly, preaching is useless. It's useless. It's pointless. Us gathering together Sunday morning to hear the word administered through the reading of scripture, through the singing of songs, through the preaching of the word, and the visible word going forth in the sacraments. It's all in vain. It's all useless. It's pointless if Christ is not raised. Romans chapter 10 verses 13 to 15 says this. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And how will they call on him if they have not believed? And how will they believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. If there is no resurrection from the dead, there is ultimately no good news to preach. It's useless. It's meaningless. Paul says earlier in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, that the cross of Christ is a stumbling block for the Jews and its foolishness to the Greeks. But it's the power of God unto salvation for those who believe. Without the resurrection, there is no power in the gospel that we proclaim. It's useless. It's vanity. 
is what Paul tells us. And beyond that, if there is no resurrection from the dead, if Christ is not raised, then preaching is lying. Pastors, those who preach the word, are the great deceivers of their day. Why? Because what does Paul say? He says that we are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God. That he raised Christ from the dead. That would be a lie if we were to proclaim that. Paul earlier, in this very chapter, starting in verse 1, says, Now I remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. If there is no resurrection, preaching is useless, and beyond that it is lying. It is saying something that God did that he ultimately did not do. What we profess to be happening when the means of grace are administered is a lie. We profess that when the means of grace are being administered, when the preaching of the word is happening, when the sacraments are being administered, we are saying that there is an audible, a verbal word that's being preached and a visible word of the gospel that's being preached. That's what we're declaring. That God is preaching his gospel through these means of grace. That's all a lie. If Jesus isn't raised. And lastly for Christian preaching. If there is no resurrection. And Jesus himself is not raised. Then we dishonor God. Those who preach the gospel. Who preach that Jesus came and lived and died and rose again. They are ultimately dishonoring God. They're misrepresenting. They're lying. They're saying that he did something that he did not do. And this should ultimately bring him great dishonor. The apostles explicitly state that the Lord himself raised Jesus from the dead. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 and verse 22. Peter's sermon at Pentecost, as it's coming to its conclusion, says this. Men of Israel... Hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up. Loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. And then he goes on to quote from David in a number of places. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoice and my flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life and you will make me full of gladness with your presence. The apostles explicitly throughout the book of Acts and then throughout the epistles of the New Testament 
our writing, our preaching, our expounding upon the work that God did in raising Jesus from the dead and all of the implications that that means for us who believe in him. If Jesus isn't raised from the dead, then that preaching is useless. It's deception and it dishonors God. The final implication What's at stake if Jesus isn't raised from the dead? There's a problem for the Christian, for the Christian life. Look at verses 16 to 19 with me again in 1 Corinthians 15. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. For your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. If there is no resurrection, what's the problem for the Christian life? Well, firstly, the Christian has believed a lie. Not only has the Christian preacher preached a lie... But the Christian himself who has professed to believe in this lie has ultimately fallen prey to the deception and has believed a lie. Secondly, the Christian is ultimately still in his sins. The apostle explicitly says, he says, If Christ is not raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. You are still under sin's penalty. It ultimately has not been paid for. It hasn't been accomplished. Because again, the resurrection is God's stamp of approval. It is God justifying Christ. He's raised for our justification. We are still in our sins. Sin's penalty still looms over our heads. And if Christ is not raised from the dead, you are still under sin's power. You are still enslaved to sin. You haven't been freed from it. You aren't a new creation. So the Christian is still in his sins. Another implication for the Christian is that the Christian who has died, the Christian who has fallen asleep, is another expression that the apostle uses. The Christian who has died in this life is ultimately in hell. Conclusion, how is the Christian ultimately in hell? Because they're still in their sins. The weight and the penalty of sin still hangs over them. So if someone dies professing a Christ who has not ultimately been raised, then they have not had their sins ultimately atoned for. They are not justified. They have believed the lie. They are in hell. Every Christian that's gone before us, who died in faith. Every professing Christian that will die in faith, even now, will ultimately be damned to hell for believing in this lie. If, if Jesus is not raised from the dead. And the last implication that the apostle gives us, the last problem for the Christian life, is that if Christ is not raised, then the Christian 
is the most miserable person. The most miserable person. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most, most to be pitied. Do you hear that? We are most to be pitied. We are the most miserable of all people. I've heard it said multiple times from people that even if Christ's work didn't actually accomplish what he said he accomplished, if he's not raised, at least, at least we have a good example for morality. At least we have a good example of what it looks like to deny yourself and live a humble life and to live a compassionate life. Who cares if Christ is not raised from the dead? Why does that matter? What is the point? A good example for morality? If Christ is not raised from the dead, we are of all people most to be pitied. We unnecessarily deny ourselves and maybe the simple pleasures of life. What we're doing here right now. I'm sure there's parts of us in our flesh that can think of a number of other things, humanly speaking, just like the natural man may think, better things that they could be doing on a Sunday, especially during football season, especially on Super Bowl, right? When we have that in comparison with whatever else is going on in the Lord's Day. We deny ourselves of life's pleasures for the sake of this gospel, For the sake of this gospel that declares that we have a resurrected Lord and Messiah. If he's not raised, what's the point? You're denying things that you could be otherwise enjoying. If Christ is not raised, the Christian is the most miserable person. Think about the Christians. In the past, Pastor Chad is doing this missionary documentary. Highlighting the number of missionaries who have given their lives to advance the gospel. Think about the missionaries that we have had the privilege of sending to some of the most difficult, hardest places to reach. To spend 20 plus years of their lives to preach this gospel. Think of the unimaginable suffering. The things that they are leaving behind. The things that they have to endure For the sake of this gospel that ultimately is not gospel if Jesus is not raised. The Christian is the most miserable, most to be pitied, unnecessary suffering. To the natural man, to the unbeliever, there are many things about the Christian faith that seem absurd. That are disregarded. Because of what seems to be odd. What seems to be strange and supernatural. Brothers and sisters. If there is no resurrection from the dead. The gospel means nothing. But because there is a resurrection. The gospel means everything. The gospel means everything. Let me give you a handful of implications in light of Christ's resurrection from the dead. And really, they're just the opposite of all of what I just 
unpacked for you. The implications for Christ's ministry and for Christian preaching and the implications for the Christian life in light of Christ's resurrection from the dead are this. One, Jesus was telling the truth. Because there is a resurrection from the dead, we can know for certainty that Christ was telling us the truth. What he was proclaiming, what he was declaring is true. What he declared about himself, who he was, and what he came to accomplish is truth. What Jesus set out to accomplish, he actually accomplished. He actually accomplished the salvation and the justification for sinners like you and like me. Because Jesus raised from the dead. And because Jesus raised from the dead, the preaching of the word, the ministering of the means of grace is true gospel and is necessary for us. It's necessary for the sake of our souls, for the salvation of our souls, and for the edification and the building up of our souls. The gospel is necessary. Christian preaching is necessary. What we do here, Sunday morning and Sunday evening, is of the utmost importance because Jesus raised from the dead. The preaching of the word glorifies God. Because it testifies and proclaims to who he is and what it is that he accomplished. Preaching is an act of worship in light of the resurrection. And it draws our hearts as those who were receiving into worship and glorification of God. Because the resurrection happened. Because of the resurrection, the Christian has received the truth and by it we stand and by it we are saved because there is a resurrection and because Christ raised from the dead the Christian you and me who profess faith in Jesus we are free from sin's penalty and we are free from sin's power and one day we will be finally and completely free from sin's presence everything that jason and russell will be unpacking for us in revelation chapter 21 is all a reality that we can place our confident hope in because of the resurrection no more tears no more pain no more suffering no more death because the resurrection because jesus raised from the dead, those who have died in faith, those who have died in faith and those who will die in faith in this life are spiritually with Christ and wait the resurrection of their bodies. Lastly, because there is a resurrection, Christ himself has raised from the dead. We have great reason to hope. And we have great reason to rejoice in this life and for the life to come. So how should we respond, brothers and sisters? 
Praise him. Glorify him. Repent of your sins and look to Christ. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus is only sitting at the right hand of the throne of God if he in fact raised from the dead. And because he has, there he sits enthroned, guarding, governing, and guiding his people in this life and to the life to come. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you and praise you for the great power that you displayed in raising your son from the dead, giving us hope of eternal life giving us hope of reconciliation with you and right standing before you. God, we pray that we would not neglect to think often about your resurrection and the implications and what that means for our lives, what that means for Christ's ministry and who he is and what that means for Christian preaching and what it is that we actually are receiving and hearing week after week. And may we not neglect to consider the implications, what it means for our lives in light of Christ's resurrection from the dead. We too will raise to glory as well one day. God, we thank you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name and for his sake that we pray. Amen.